Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday evening. we got an incredible show in store for you tonight. We're going to kick things off with the phenomenal North Dakota Lieutenant Governor Brent Sanford. Lieutenant Governor, welcome back to Point of View. Always great to have you. As, as usual, a ton of things to talk about. We'll start here, though. Um, last Thursday, I believe it was actually one year exactly, we had the first COVID case here in North Dakota. I want to start with your assessment of the last year. What did North Dakota do really well in regards to COVID, and what do you think we could have done better? Well, I think with one word, it's balance. We were striving to balance the, the lives and livelihoods, and I, I hope I hope that's what people hear loud and clear when they have the, when they hear the governor speak. When in his pre press conferences, you're constantly going through data what's the latest and greatest as far as recommendation we weigh them we listen to the constituents we listen to those in in leadership in public health and at the hospitals at within the state agencies the national guard health department um, local public health and obviously the schools the businesses and so it's been a year of trying to balance the situation that's been upon us but but you, you think about where we are today we're, we're so blessed to have such low positivity uh, where the variants are coming, but it's something where the positivity is staying down and we're, we're, we're still testing. So we make sure that that doesn't get away from us. And at the same time, you've got our own semblance of North Dakota herd immunity, beginning with the increase in vaccinations with the large number of positives that have been found over the last year. And now the, the vaccination in percentage is increasing. And we're, we're one of the leading states as far as getting the vaccination into people's arms, uh, working through one C is the, prioritization level now. And I, and I have to tell you, I hear every day from folks that are concerned about wanting the vaccination. They're, they're, they're concerned, they're, there's some fear, there's, 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 there's might be underlying health conditions. And so those that have underlying health conditions that, that I believe we're there now as far as getting that priority level. So everyone should be getting those vaccines that wants to be able to. And if, if you're not able to, please, please share that with us. But we're, we're feeling good about the vaccination rollout as well. Um, the businesses and schools. Uh, it's been a long year for businesses and schools and they're open. We, 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 we're always, we're constantly striving to keep businesses and schools open as much as possible throughout the last year. Uh, the pandemic restrictions are, are, are mostly released for businesses and schools. We have, um, um, I'm not sure the percentage, but, but schools are, are moving towards completely being in full-time, full-time in-face learning. And uh, we're in hybrid learning for the most part of the first half of the year and um, some remote learning from from the, the high school grades etc but we're getting back to normal there and, and that's just paramount for our kids your heart goes out for kids in some of these other states where they where they did not have in-person learning and still are not having in-person learning I, I can't imagine how devastating that would be for those kids my my three kids are age 10 13 and 20 and they need kids they need to be with their peers in their learning environment and, and and so we're we're feeling blessed there as well. We're getting back to some semblance of normal in schools. Uh, last week was very, very, very welcome news after one year to have restrictions released on long-term care, to have actually CMS who had been, who came in late into the game, uh, later than the state. The state had been proactive on the beginning, but the CMS came in later and put in what we felt were harsher restrictions on visitation and long-term care. And, and now they're releasing as well. So looking forward to families being reunited in that long-term care setting. And, and it's not been an easy year for them. That's for certain, but it's certain, but it's been a long year for all of us. Um, 
you know, we, we feel, we'll feel its effects for a long time. Uh, yeah, we feel the, the economy being balanced. Uh, we feel our, our unemployment rate is one of the low, has had one of the lowest increments from beginning to end over the last year. And so we feel that, you know, also being, being very cognizant of the effect on livelihoods has helped us keep our economy in as good a shape as, as other states is, is among the best. And, and that's with the pandemic induced crash in oil prices that, that also hit us at the same time. So for our long, for our unemployment to be in that 4% range with, with the collapse in oil prices is, is quite remarkable, but we see an uptick in those energy prices today. And, and, and unfortunately with some of the Biden administration policies, the prices likely will just keep going up. And so that means higher price at the pump, higher price for food, interest rates start going up as well. But, but the fact of the matter is higher oil prices are helping us with our new budget numbers coming out this week. It's also helping us with that unemployment rate being lower and, and, and hopefully we can move into this next year with a little bit of optimism for our economy. We're going to touch on a lot of things you just mentioned there, but this is the graph, as you know, at the North Dakota Department of Health um, for COVID. And I want to share with you what's fascinating. You can see here the, the actual peak, sir, of COVID cases was November 13th. November 14th is when Governor Bergen put the statewide mask mandate in place. Do you think this is just simply a correlation or a causation? Well, Dr. Carson would say this this was a this was a prime uh, uh, one of the prime tools that we could use to actually bend this curve down. And but the, he also states, in addition to everything else that was happening from the local perspective, the local mandates, the distancing, the the closure of of during that time, we actually had a reduction in in sports activity. So there were uh, the measures were picking up as that curve was picking up. So this is definitely one of the strong tools in the toolbox. Well, I think Fargo is going to finally get rid of their mask mandate tonight. And so I just wanted to get your take. So you mentioned about the businesses. We'll get to the education in a moment, sir. But I got to share a couple of interesting stats with you. So because of COVID, uh, you can see here in North Dakota was the third highest percentage rate of revenue drop as far as revenue. I, I'm assuming most of that's because of oil and gas, right? But then you look at this most recent uh, COVID relief bill. Not one Republican voted for it. Your Republican and if you look at the data, I guess I, maybe I should ask it this way. Do you support this latest COVID relief bill, knowing that North Dakota, when it comes to dollars per capita per person, we came in at number five across the country? Well, if you look at what the response has been to that bill, is that it, it very clearly goes to the metro areas that that shut down the harshest. And, and they not only had the protests, but they had a lot, larger amount of unemployment. They've been, you know, they've had kids not in school. And and that you know, frankly, that's also where a lot of the votes came from from the red from the red state from the blue states in some of those metro areas. So there there are a lot of there are a lot of things being pushed back and forth on why the, the formula is the way it is. But um, but what's what's fascinating here is we did have a large reduction in revenue, and it's from the oil and gas revenues. That's why Alaska would have been at such a high point on the top of the list. Hawaii because they completely shut down their tourism economy during COVID. But but what, what speaks again to where we are is we did not have to tap into our emergency budget stabilization fund. We did not, we did not, I don't know if we got over 8% in unemployment, but we settled down in that six range quite quickly. And now we're at 4% and we were only at 2% before that point. And that is with a reduction in oil prices and only having 15 drilling rigs today. So our state economy has come through this remarkably. And, and there are concerns about the federal funds that are coming in. Are they, 
are they the one size fits all approaches never seem to work when you actually have succeeded on keeping your economy open open more than others and keep your schools open and people have have kept their employment we did some rent bridge subsidies to keep people in their homes when you're having those tough times with the with the hospitality jobs being being reduced so much as they were during the first stages of the of the shutdowns superintendent baszler uh testified and she said something pretty shocking in my opinion she reported that 27 to 28 percent of the students who had tested at grade level in 2019 for reading writing and math have now fallen below grade level. I mean, that's over a quarter of the students. I just want to get your take on that. And what do we do to make that up, make an impact? Well, that shouldn't be a surprise to any of us, especially if you have kids in school. I can tell you that that my daughter and my and me, as her third grade math teacher last year, weren't doing a very good job March, April, and May. It's just it, I don't have the training for that, and and it was it was a difficult time. And so so my daughter's score was reduced as, as her as her percentile score on math going into this year. And, and so you think about families where you, if you didn't have high speed internet, if you didn't have if you didn't have a parent there to help the kids with that full time schoolwork that was happening at home, um, you know, what's the effect? What's the long term effect? We all know that kids need to be able to read by third grade. They need to have these different math skills accomplished and mastered by third grade. If that didn't happen, what's the long term effect? So the, it's a, it's a grave concern for all of us of, of what the long-term effect of this is going to be as far as our, of, of where the kids are at percentile wise. And, and, but again, think of the schools that are in other states where they have not been face-to-face. -face. I, I, I hate to think what their percentages are compared to what Superintendent Baszler brought up. And so, to, so for us to be able to bear down and try to rise up that curve again, it's a hard thing for when the, when the kids are tracking to keep moving up that curve during the school year to try to approach the grade level for the next year. And now we have all that ground to make up. So it sounds like there are conversations about, about summer school, about extended period at the end of the year, different options, but, but it's, it's going to take time and there's going to have to be an investment of time by, by the kids and the, and the families and the teachers and the school districts to be able to try to bridge that gap and move us back up to where the, the percentage, the percentiles that the kids were pre pandemic. Kind of big picture question, and you, you touched on it working with your daughter. What have we learned from this experience? And maybe I should frame it like, did we just kind of take teachers in the schoolroom for granted? Should we be paying our teachers a lot more money for what they do? I mean, kind of what, what's your takeaway from all this? I can't say enough for teachers and something where, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of professions that really stand out today after a year of this and nurses and, and doctors and those in healthcare and, and um, local public health and, and some of those folks that that sometimes we t might take for granted until one's sick well now they're now they're the, in the forefront and and leading the way through this but the teachers have had a very difficult time they're they're expected to be able to figure out online curriculum and how to deliver that in a short amount of time and then and then also have uh, kids coming in and different shifts coming in for on the hybrid some are here tuesdays and thursdays some are here monday and wednesdays and then uh, one of the things that happened at my son's school in the public school here in Bismarck was Friday ended up being like a catch-up day for the wow. for those, those kids that were were not able to keep up at home. Whether it's taking care of younger siblings, you know, doing the things you might do when you're at home versus in school, not able to to concentrate fully on on the classwork, or maybe they didn't have the high-speed internet connection, didn't have the technology available at home, and and so anyway, Friday was kind of the catch-up day. But the the teachers have really had to put in double duty, plus plus the concern of of the masks and are we doing enough and are we distancing are we distancing in the classroom their own personal concern about health 
for themselves and their families and and our and also there's a, there's the stress of covid over over all of this of just being a, a a hard enough challenge in front of them with with having kids in hybrid let alone then have the the concern about covid itself and so there's a lot of stress in the environment for the teachers and and school administrators and, and our hearts go out to them and as well as our gratitude. Maybe you guys already done this, Lieutenant Governor, but this is a comment from producer AJ. Is there something that you under Governor Burgum could do for like a special proclamation to honor our teachers, educators, health and emergency workers? That's a good idea. I, I you know, I believe that we've we're in the process of doing some of those things and you'll see one at a time, but that's that's a good point to single out the teachers and it it and and probably now before the end of the school year, you know, you, you get to the end of the school year and you take a breath and 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 get through graduations, et cetera, and, and hopefully have some normalcy at the end of this school year. But but no, that's a good point. Well taken, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, I mean again, that was producer AJ. So thanks to producer AJ thanks, for AJ. I, I think it's a great idea because I think we all learned like, wow, these teachers are amazing. I mean, you know, like you said, you're working with your daughter, you know her, you know her learning modalities, whereas this teacher's yeah. gonna do it with 20, 30 different people and they have home. I mean, I I just think it's incredible. So I gotta ask you this. This was be two weeks ago tomorrow. Uh, Governor Burgum held, it looks like, some kind of Zoom call. He said there's 120 people on this call. You can hear him use the word urgency here, but he talks about China's People Liberation Army did a cyber attack against North Dakota. I want to play a little bit of this for our audience, sir, and then just tell us how serious this is and, and what's what's happening, okay? The state of North Dakota was involved in an attack uh, by nation-state actors who are on the front line of uh, international attacks and so we should think of this uh that war in modern right now 2021 war cannot be separated from cyber war and cyber security is our defense against cyber war so we're being attacked uh in this case uh, yesterday by china uh, we know that north korea iran and russia also have got heavy investments so those are some strong words lieutenant governors governor Bergham suggesting that that was an act of war by China against the U.S. and North Dakota. Well, you've probably heard it before that the the wars of the next century will be will be in the battlefield of IT. And and what we're seeing and what we've seen for the last four years is 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 active, active intrusion attempts by by Russian, North Korean, Chinese sources. And and we see them here at the state government. And it's not it's not just on on federal government and in Washington D.C. But you see that with. What happened the other day was with local uh, local cities and school districts ended up having their email servers shut down from from the attacks from from this this particular Chinese actor that the governor is mentioning. Wait, can you can you run that by us one more time? So the city of Williston was out any, without any email, and these people from the China's People Liberation Army were running those emails, and we have no idea what was being sent out or put out. That that was the nature of this attack was they were taking over control of all of the email servers that were not. In the cloud, so the, so you saw some of this. It's hard to follow, but some of the. All right, stay with us. We got a lot more coming up here on Point of View. We are celebrating America. You're going to find out why and what coming up, right after this. As always, please share your point of view with us. Email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.